We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns. I'm a retired high school administrator. I have 40 years, over 40 years of experience in in the field of education. My passion is anti-bullying. I have worked for 20 years in trying to come up with solutions to this epidemic. I also spend a lot of time doing behavior management and working with teachers to help them strengthen the relationships between adults and children. Now, this podcast is going to have a link associated with it. And you're going to hear this podcast presented to you. If you click on the link, you'll have all the visuals that you need in order to be able to see exactly what I'm uh, speaking about to you in the podcast. So, sit tight. Let's enjoy the the podcast. Use the link to uh, go to the presentation. I'll have that saved on my uh, on my website. So here we go. This is anti bullying one hundred and one. This presentation is going to be on the brain and the triangle. We're going to work on building relationships between adults and children. Okay, you know, the brain is a wonderful organ, and it is better than any computer that you can get. And the brain has three layers. First layer, okay, is the upper layer, which is the neocortex, which is where you do all your higher order thinking skills. The midbrain is where you have your limbic system, and this is where your emotions sit. And then the bottom of the brain is the brain stem. The brain stem is where you have your heart rate, respiration, digestion, adrenaline flow. All of that sits right there. This is why if someone has a stroke and blood pools to the top of the brain, it pushes down on the brain and crushes the stem. Someone could be on a respirator, but in reality... They're not, uh, they, they, had, they don't have the ability to breathe on their own because their respiration has been cut off through the crushing of the brainstem. And as you're listening, okay, what I'd like you to understand is that all incoming information has to pass through the emotions before it can reach the neocortex, which is where you do all your higher order thinking. And when you see the visual, if you click on the visual that will be in the, in the link, okay, what you'll see is I've placed what I call bricks in the wall. Anytime there is a strain of a relationship, or if the person who's presenting the information, you just don't have any respect for them. 
that person ends up on one of those bricks. Consequently, as you begin to teach them information or share information with them, the, the emotions, there is an emotional filter in the center of the brain, which sits right in the middle of the emotions, that filters out anything that causes stress. So if your name happens to be on one of those bricks and you happen to be teaching a student that you don't have a very good relationship with, the amygdala will signal to the brain, hey, there's stress coming. And they'll look and they will find, your emotions will find your name on one of those bricks automatically. Because the brain's first responsibility is survival of its owner, automatically what will happen is the brain will downshift and go into the stem, which is where you go for survival. Now, there's only two ways to survive. That's fight or flight. So what happens? Okay, A child will come into the room, be confronted by the teacher. They, would end, they could either just put their head down on the desk or they could end up in a power struggle with the teacher. A person with the flight mentality will develop conduct problems, which means he's had a series of poor relationships with adults. A person with the flight mentality develops clinical problems. What that means is he's been bullied by adults and now he's either depressed or he has anxiety, or, or he can turn into an exquisite liar just based upon the fact that he doesn't want to say something to an adult that's going to set him off, causing the adult to react to them. If this youngster is a conduct problem, he needs to develop respect. If this child is a clinical problem, meaning they're apathetic and they look like they don't care, they need to develop responsibility. And if you are aware of this problem, your first responsibility is to try and patch up that relationship. And it may mean having a conference with this child. It may mean as a parent, you may need to sit your son or daughter down and you may have some apologizing to do. As a teacher, you may have some questions to ask this child and you may need to apologize as well simply because you want to reestablish the relationship if you're the teacher so you can instruct this child, or if you are a um, parent, you want to have a good relationship with this child going forward in life. Oftentimes, parents don't even realize that the relationship is going south until it goes too far. And some teachers just completely miss it. They miss the fact that they are responsible for causing stress in the classroom. And if you are doing that, if you are causing stress, the bottom line is you have to figure out a way to to work on getting it out of there because some of these kids, once they're under stress, they don't perform. And stress can come in a lot of ways. It can come in a host of different ways. A kid could be under stress just worrying about leaving the classroom and going down to the lunchroom 
because he's afraid he's going to be confronted by a bully. Now, I have the uh, explanation there up on the screen right now. As the brain is placed under stress, the need for survival becomes greater. Okay, there are only two ways they can survive, fight or flight. And as I explained, fight attitude, respect, flight attitude, responsibility, and they need, they need to be able to deal with the situation. You need to be able to deal with this. Clinical problems require responsibility. A person with the conduct problem has to develop respect. And why do I say clinical problems with, responsibi- with um, responsibility with clinical problems? Strictly because it doesn't do you any good if a kid is feeling bad about himself already and totally incapable for you to hold back on some responsibilities and with those responsibilities you look to make that student feel more successful. The greater the success, the, the less anxious a child will feel and ultimately the, the, they will be able to perform at higher levels moving forward. Now, this presentation was called The Brain in the Triangle. To my second point, if you take a look at the triangle, and you have, and if you notice, uh, it's small at the top and broad at the bottom. When kids are little, and I mean like two years old, what you want to do, the, 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 um, uh, the theory, the philosophy that, that we've used up to this point just doesn't work. And the philosophy is give young kids choice. What do you want to wear, this or this? Do you want string beans or, or uh, uh, lima beans? Uh, you know, all kinds. Of, what do you want to wear? What do you want to do? Who do you want to play with? All of these choices do no good. And if you are going to have success, this, or if the child is going to have success moving forward, the first thing that he needs to be is compliant. And when you work with a young child, the first thing you want is compliance, and you want them to understand what respect is. Once you can, a child can be compliant and be respectful, in other words, you call him over, he comes to you. He doesn't, he, he has reduced his temper tantrums. He is becoming more and more understanding of who's in charge, and that's you. Choice doesn't work. It does not work. And I see it in malls all the time with moms and dads running after kids. And, you know, come here, we got to go. And the kid turns around and waddles off. And mom or dad looks at the kid and says, what do you want to do? Now, once you have that compliance, you can then offer choices. As you move down the triangle, okay, what you're going to find is children need to be more responsible. This is where we can give them greater responsibility. We have the compliance now, and we want to make sure that they're responsible. So when we ask them to do things, we make sure that there's follow-through. We make sure that their homework is done. We make sure that they're behaving in school. 
But ultimately, it's the child's job. You now have passed it on to them. And this could happen somewhere around late elementary school and into middle school. Now, as the children get older, notice the broadening of the triangle. What this means is greater freedom. They have to learn how to manage relationships with other people. They have to apply the principles of compliance and respect and responsibility in their life. They have to understand friendships. They have to understand how to have a, um, a dating type relationship. They ha- and they also have to be responsible for much more. Children who are raised in this type of environment where compliance is demanded, respect, you demand respect, you work with your children to help them become responsible, and you help them discover how they can have better relationships with adults and their peers moving forward are far more successful in life. This is the ideal. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite work this way. This is what we do now. We give freedom and choices to young children between two and nine years old. They throw temper tantrums, there's crying, there's whining. And you know, it's real easy to give in to a whining child. But understand once you do it, what that means going forward. They're going to lack boundaries and they're going to start to do and say what they want. They're going to become very argumentative. You know, we we talk about the terrible twos. We could eliminate the terrible twos just by making sure we eliminate choice and we demand compliance and respect. Grades 9 to 12, they go into rebellion. No self-discipline or motivation. And then the power struggles come. And you know as well as I do that you can't restrain the behavior of a teenager. It becomes too much. The struggles become too much. The worry becomes too much. And the truth of the matter is when parents send their kids off to college, they worry. And the reason they worry is because they're frightened that they didn't do enough to prepare them to live independently. If you want them to live independent of you. This is where you need to start in that first triangle, which I call the keys to the foundation of character. If you want to be worried and have difficulty and have all kinds of trouble with your kids, work with the other triangle, which basically it's the exact opposite. These few things... We work on the brain and understand why relationships are so important and understand the danger of choice and why we have to be compliant. uh, We have to demand compliance and respect from kids. If we can really wrap our head around this, that child will be successful and we will worry a whole lot less. Freedom and authority. Most children believe the way to get more freedom is to get out from under authority. For example, move out of their house. 
or do what they want in school. True freedom is a result of trust. Trust is built through compliance. The more compliant a child is, the greater the trust, and the more freedom he's going to have because you trust him more. There's a clear difference between freedom and liberty. Liberty is a condition of the environment, and anybody can get that. Freedom is a condition of the mind and the soul. As children experience non-compliance and they're doing what they want in terms of the environment, but have great difficulty managing the guilt associated with their behavior. The more guilt they experience, the more angry and non-compliant they become. And, you know, we got a lot of angry kids. And it's no wonder we're having, you know, as many school shootings. And these kids turn into adults. And you see what's happened in our culture and in our society. It's horrifying. And you don't want to have these horrible events going on. So, the brain in the triangle. See if you can wrap your head around that. And I think... If you really take the time to study it, I think you'll begin to agree. My name is Jim Burns. These are the websites that we have. Um, Well, the first website is bullyproofclassroom.com. The next is YouTube, and I'm going to put a link up on the podcast description so that you can go to that YouTube channel and you can get this presentation. I ask that you uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, and you'll discover that we have a lot of our podcasts published there. So if you go to bullyproofclassroom.com, you're going to find a ton of resources that you can use right away. You could take a, a, a professional development course. There's all types of products, and there's a wealth of articles that I think you'll find very interesting. Now, my name is Jim Burns. That was your presentation. That was your lesson for today, folks. I thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I hope, I, I hope you continue to listen. Tell friends to listen, too. Check out the video. You'll find the video in the description of the podcast. My name's Jim Burns. See you again, everybody.